Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Oi, the boys on Footy Prime on occasion are known to use vulgarities and frankly appalling language. And sometimes tales are quite adult in nature. So keep the volume down if there are kiddies around. And thank you for listening. You're listening to FP Interviews, in-depth conversations with interesting people. Footy Prime, your almost daily footy fix. Hey football fans, it's Interview on Footy Prime. James Sharman here, Craig Forrest is here, Jimmy Brennan's here. Dan Wong's somewhere, JC's somewhere, Brennan Dunlop's here as well. Um, the big question, if, if you didn't listen to our last podcast was does anyone actually hate Craig Forrest? So for today's interview, we, we oh, thought no. we'd bring someone on who knows him as well as anyone on this planet, probably. Um, they go like way, way back. It's Craig's former teammate with both Canada and Ipswich, two-time MLS Cup champion coach, currently head coach of Monterey Bay in the USL. Returning to Footy Prime, it's Frank Yallop. Frank, welcome back to the show, pal. Well, thanks for having me. It's good to see everybody. All right, so let's get right into this, shall we? I want to get back into your early career as well, but off the top, does anyone hate Craig? No. No, 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 no. Very no. well liked. No, no one? No, no, no. Really? I don't know where you got that rumor from. Maybe Jimmy's has got a few stories, but uh, no, I, no, Craig's a terrific guy and likable guy, and we've known each other years and years and years, a long, long time. Totally. Yeah, we, we go back uh, before I even went to Ipswich Town uh, briefly. Mm-hmm. I remember going for a little training session with Frank in the summer before I went over there, and Frank could run like the wind. And he, we were doing climbs up these – in Newest Minister, we were doing these climbs yes. up these stadium stairs and went for a long run. I was done. I was like, <laughs> if, if this is half a preseason, I'm, I'm not going to get through the door here. No. Like, it was crazy, but – yeah, that was where you come over with your dad and, and we, we met up at the uh, New West High and we just well, had a few, little workout with shot at shoot, shooting and stuff and kind of handling. And all that. So I think you remember that. And then, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, did a bit of a, uh, I said, it's going to be tough over there. I just did four years of it. So get yeah. ready. But obviously what a career you had. So it's fantastic. Yeah, you, you had just made your debut, I think, at the end of that season, I think, at Everton. Um, you were signed by Bobby Robson at Ipswich mm-hmm. Town. I mean, got to tell us a little bit. I mean, about that time, Frank, when you got signed, Ipswich Town was a small, obviously, place, but it was a monster of a club. It was one of the very best in Europe, come off an FA Cup and UEFA Cup win mm-hmm. in 1981. It was, uh, and Bobby Robson was uh, obviously master of behind that, but he signed you. How did how did that all come about? Yeah, funny story. Like um, Bobby Robson, I don't know if you know. 
uh, you probably do that he took over the Vancouver Royals which is ended up the Whitecaps in 1968 or 69 I think only lasted six months um, only should have pushed them out Pushkas come in big story but anyway in the meantime he brought over a, a player named Peter Dinsdale and Craig you know him from from our uh, area in Coquitlam and I used to play against Peter's teams when I was a young kid he stayed up ended up staying in uh, Vancouver or Coquitlam um, after he um, Bobby Robson went back so anyway Long story, but he stayed in Vancouver. I used to play against his teams, and Bobby had said, if there's anyone you think's worth looking at, just, just give us a shout, we'll fly him over, give a couple of weeks of training and, and see how it goes. So that happened when I was 14. Um, I flew out at Christmas time, Christmas break, as you know, from school. Uh, went to Ipswich, um, trained with the youth team, Charlie Woods and, and all, that, all that lot. <laughs> we'll get into some stories with those guys in a minute, but uh, it went well. Uh, obviously, uh, enough to get invited back the next summer. Uh, did another five or six weeks in the summer of, um, geez, 79, I think it was, can't remember. Um, back and forth a few times and then end up at uh, 16 years old, as Jimmy and, and you know, Craig, um, you're old enough to sign Apprentice or a different different thing now, but you're old enough to sign uh, on a contract. And um, it took him to like the last week, really, of my tenure there. It's like I said, to, I had to go see Bobby. So Bobby Robson, great, greatest, you know, greatest guy ever, manager. I said, well, I got to go back to school, or I'm gonna—I want to stay, but I have to I have to make a decision here. So he thought long and hard, I guess, and said, "We're going to give you a two-year apprenticeship," and that was the start of it. So very grateful for that. Um, you know, obviously went on from that and and got a pro contract at 17, and then made my debut at 19 at Everton away. Yeah, yeah. Seems a while ago now, <laughs> but I still I still feel it. And you, you guys say exactly the same. You remember that you're going out and uh, into the stadium, you're like. What are all these people doing here? And I'm on the field. I mean, it was weird, but all good times. Did you know much about Ipswich before you, you made the initial trips over there? Obviously, yeah. they're like Craig mentioned, they're a well-known big club at the time. Yeah. But you yeah. know, living in Canada, there, there was no soccer Saturday. There was no uh, no footy no prime podcast. No internet, just uh, word yeah. of mouth. But no, it's a big club in in Europe, and and Bobby Robson had been there for a, lot, a number of years and done a really really good job with a small squad and. Uh, uh, kind of a lower lower end uh, Premier League or first division team back then, but Premier League team, and done an unbelievable job. You know, got into Europe, if not every year. I think the only year they didn't get into Europe, they ended up winning the FA Cup. So it ended up a great mm -hmm. season. So for a small club like Ipswich to do that was it was unbelievable. And um, um, I had to keep my British um, status because there's only two foreigners at that point were allowed to 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 join the uh, the team or not join, but be on the team. So I kept my British passport and. Um, you know, and end up luckily enough getting it changed to the Canadian so I could play for Canada. But um, long story, but uh, yeah, he was really a big shining light in my career early. Um, really helped me out with everything. And the club is is it's it, it's not. I mean, not not the same. But but those that era was unbelievable. Mr. Robson was there, and up to eighty two, and he left to take the England job, as we know. And um, I don't think it'd ever be the same. But it it but got it got pretty close with George and. And John Lyle and, and the managers that me and Craig know and played played under, um, but there were golden years at Ipswich for sure. It's pretty tough, to, Frankie, in this modern day to for a team and for a market that size to, unless there's massive massive investment, and those usually are going to bigger market teams. Mm -hmm. Those uh, those teams. So, how does it how does a team like Ipswich now in the modern day possibly compete and get back into the Premier League? Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, first of all, they're going to get out. They had a great start, as you've probably been watching, Craig. I mean, yeah. you know, I think they've won four, tied one. So 
they got to get out of that division. They've been down there three, I'm sorry, four to five years, I think now. This is the fifth season in League One. Mm. Got to get up. And I think once they get up, then the sponsorship and the players, you can attract better players, as we all know, and Jimmy knows this too. And when his time at Forest, you can attract players that are uh, able for you to get better rather than League One. Obviously, it's not it's not easy. Um, once we get out of that division, I feel this year could, could be the year, if hopefully it is, um, mm. that we can go, you know, go and have a run to get into that, like a Forest have done, you know, kind of an old pretty similar Ipswich story really back in the days Brian Clough a couple of you know European Cups you know yeah. kind of in the wilderness for a few years and now all of a sudden they're in the, in the Premier League and doing great so hmm. that's the dream I think that the uh, well, I know the ownership group that, that took over the, the club yeah. and they have big um, big um, you know thinking caps on and they want to they want to get to the Premier League not going to just throw money at it but the plan is to get out of this league and then really invest in the championship and then from there, see how we can do on probably in a three or four year time. Mm. Yeah. So you, you were born in England, Frank, and then, you know, you're quite young and you moved to, to Vancouver, to BC. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you, you, you go back to, to England to play your football. Mm-hmm. Um, were you considered at that point a Canadian or an, or an Englishman? That's a great question. Yeah, it's a kind of a weird one. I moved when I was 10 and right. I started to play sort of, you know, obviously youth soccer at, uh, in the West and then went to Coquitlam. Um, because I went back to England as a British player, it kind of, you know, I was never sort of, Craig has, Craig has said this as well, he knows it, and Jimmy as well, it's like, you're always sort of Canadian if you play for Canada. So, you know, once I did end up playing for Canada, it was more of a, I was a Canadian, but before that, it was more, I moved to Canada, I went back as an English player, if that makes sense. So, And you had to wait, Frankie, before, because you were locked up, because you played for England youth, and back then, that actually yeah. locked you with a country. So yes. you, you missed a few years before you could play for Canada. I think it was Bobby Robson who was behind that, too, because he was the England manager at that time. That's right. Yeah, so I got, yeah, I played England youth when I was 17 in 1981. I think I had five caps, something like that. Um, but I was lucky enough in 89... They changed FIFA changed the rules that if you played for a, a, a country, if you were still a youth player at 18 years old, you can then change to another country. So Les Wilson and the Canadian uh, Association really helped me out and, and pushed to get a passport so I, could, I was available to play. You know, I think it was 89. I got, uh, you know, my citizenship for Canada and um, made my debut. I think it was in the summer of 90 against the U.S. Swan Guard. Craig, you helped me out with this one, but I think it was. Anyways, um, long time yeah, ago. Yeah, but, but uh, I, I don't really think that game counted, Frank. So it was actually officially the Mexico game in the final of the North American Championship. Gotcha. Okay. So that capped it into count against the U.S. I, I still have it. 53 <laughs> caps. Of, what was it? 53. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Frank. It's still pretty impressive. Frank, I, I was very fortunate to, to play under you. Um, and I think if you ask any player, uh, the one big thing that we always said was that Frank is, is a player's manager. He's a, he's a manager that you, you can talk to, um, a manager that can relate to players. You've had tremendous success as a, as a manager over the years. But was there, was there certain managers in your career that you played under that, that influenced you as a coach? That's a great question, Jimmy. Yeah, I mean, I, I go back to Bobby Robson, obviously. I was very young, but he really had a big influence on on for me it was just a really nice person um i don't think you can fake that so i don't i don't try to act um a certain way i just it's the way i am and i think that um players do 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 uh, appreciate that but i'll say john lyle and i think jo- uh, craig will agree john lyle had a great um demeanor about him he was a funny fella 
very knowledgeable in the game. Um, and I think those two really stand out. I think George Burley had a different way about him, but was very good with his coaching and picking teams. I think he did a real good job at Ipswich of, of getting to really good, good players. But I'd probably say, you know, mentor-wise would be definitely, um, you know, Bobby Robson and, and John Lyle. And following uh, Bobby Robson came Bobby Ferguson, who is his right-hand man as a coach and a very good coach, but yes, a, a manager that would last about five minutes, I think, these days, Frank. <laughs> he, I mean, he was vicious. He was a very, yeah. very tough, you know, like if you if you let me down, you'll never play for me again. And Yeah, that was a good – that was Man City away, 3-2 up. Taps you on the show. I'm going on 10 minutes to go, and he goes, if you let me down in this game, you're never playing for this club again. Man. <laughs> and he goes, all the best, son. I was like, yeah. <laughs> go on, my babies. Yeah, yeah. come on. But, uh, no, different way of doing it. As we know, it's all done differently. Be right, Craig. He wouldn't last five minutes. But, yeah, I, you know, seen obviously since that, you know, uh, those times before. I think, is he is he still around? Um, Did he, pa- he pass on? Okay. Uh, sorry, don't know. But i seen him probably five to to eight years ago regularly when I go back to Ipswich and really nice fella. He felt that was the way it was done. And he probably got brought up in the same, you know, um, not hard knocks type type coaching. And I think that um, we know it's all gone now, but, um, you know, still nice fellas, I think, most, when we see them. I think striking the balance, though, Frank, between your actual personality and what you've learned and experienced as a player from these coaches, though, is what made you such a unique uh, and so well-liked coach. Dwayne DiRosario is very complimentary in the book uh, about uh, about your time, um, his time with you and at San Jose. His, in his wife wrote that as well, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there's been a been a conversation. Not not Dwayne's wife, my wife. Been a been a big conversation on the show as to whether I actually did all the work, Frank. But yes, yes. I did. It's Zero my life. It's available at ECW Press for those of you footy primers. <laughs> oh, here we go. You, hey, didn't obligatory, the, uh, you didn't even know the chapters it, when we asked you. Yeah, slipped it in there. Well done. <laughs> I'll tell you what I do know is that if not for Frank Yallop, Dwayne DiRosario's career would be very different. But one thing in particular in talking about understanding the room and uh, one of the stories he tells is the team had uh, was was competing in one of those early seasons. I forget if this was in 2001 or or uh, the next season in 2002, but um, they'd just gone through a poor stretch and a really poor performance. And you bring them in the next day and they're all thinking they're going to be running laps. You're going to run them through it. And you tossed a bag of uh, baseball gloves and balls into the middle of the room. And you walked out of the room and they all looked at it and thought, what, what is this? And you took them out onto the field and that time you were playing in an actual baseball stadium. And you just did a catch and a light training session. And he said the next day, everyone was explosive and fired up and ready to run through a wall for you and everybody else again. Was it just the environment that you were in the baseball stadium that you thought this is it? Or is it something that you you learned in the past or those group of guys in particular? Look, I know that they're on it. They don't need to be yelled at today. They just need to disconnect for a second and reconnect with each other. Yeah, I think so. I mean, a lot of that comes into it, right? Man management and making sure that the group's always moving in the right direction. This group has like, done really, really well. And I thought they were, I mean, obviously a very good team. So, you know, for us, for me to punish and push and, um, you know, I think go down the wrong road of, of trying to get these guys to respond. So I just went, you know what, we're going to play softball or baseball. I can't remember what it was. I think it was softball. We had some fun. I think we had some pizza afterwards. We had a barbecue. And I think that's always a big part of it where, you know, it's, it's a human reactions that, uh, that help you win games. And it's not all about tactics and X's and O's. It's about getting guys to, to work hard and, and stick together. And I think it really worked. And, what a terrific team that year. And I think um, think stuff like that you do, you do look back and say, maybe it helped. 
Or maybe it didn't, but I think it probably helped that group for sure, yeah. You know, you, you won the MLS Cup a couple of times, Frank. You're MLS manager in 2001, I believe, and 2012. So that's a pretty big gap. You just got inducted into the San Jose Earthquakes Hall of Fame, which is great. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Uh, coaching Canada. Uh, and then you went really into a different direction, building clubs. But before yeah, we get yeah. before we get to that, Frank, let's back up to LA Galaxy and David Beckham, because you were the coach, you're the manager mm-hmm. when David Beckham was on the radar for MLS, but there was a salary cap. And how did that all come about in trying to fit David Beckham in and the, or the conversations between LA Galaxy and the league at that time? Yeah, well, um, Tim Laiwiki was kind of running um, the, the Galaxy team at that time, and he he um, spoke to Lexi Lalas and said, I, I want to get a superstar in. So they, they went for Beckham. Um, Laiwiki went really hard to get him, um, and then the, the team was kind of struggling a little bit. And then I was with Canada at the time. And then I got a phone call saying, would you be interested in taking the, the Galaxy job? And in the, the offseason, we're going to acquire David Beckham. I was like, geez, I mean, you don't get a chance to, to, to get, you know, coach players of that caliber. And he was, I think he was 31, 32 at the time, playing for Real Madrid. So top of his game. Um, we had chats and um, it sort of went about that. Yeah, I'd love to. But I think you, you guys know this. He really changed the, the league where he come in his prime, um, still at 31, 32, maybe turning, but he was still really, really good. And I think that really that made other players, Thierry Henry, and you can go on and on, Perlo, that want to come into the league and, and, and you know, play at different cities in, in MLS. So um, it was a testing time because he wasn't used to MLS and MLS wasn't used to him. So it was tough. Um wouldn't say it was easy. He was injured a lot of time. I was with him, but um, we had a good relationship. I saw him a few years later and, and we had a good chat about it. And he, he realized now he didn't sort of understand the whole makings of the league and, and the hotels and the travel. And, you know, we're going mm. on, you know, um, not private jets and all that stuff. We're going on, you know, commercial. So he didn't quite get that. But um, good fella, played really well. I thought he massive stamp on the league and, and did really well. It was interesting, the club, because I know when we went down there for a game, uh, it turned into not just sports media were showing up. It was Entertainment Tonight. It was eTalk. Yes. It was it was all these different types of news uh, uh, shows showing up for interviews. And it was it was quite a circus around the, the ground. It was, Craig. I mean, the first game I think he played against was Chelsea in a friendly. There's 250 um, press people there, like photographers, TV, whatever you want to say. And they had to cut it off. There have been everyone wanted to be at that game to interview and and see how it was all going. We had a uh, welcome to, to LA Beckham party, and it was talk about A list. It was like <laughs> unbelievable. You got like Tom Cruise put it on with um, Will Smith. They put put the thing on. Dougie Fresh was a DJ. Stevie Wonder did four songs. And I'm thinking, <laughs> and we got guys standing in suits. They just rented for twenty bucks. The, sh- the trousers are halfway up their ankles. <laughs> they're on, they're on, they're on twelve hundred dollars a month. We come in a limo, and then as we got out of the limo, uh, it was myself and I think it was a few of the players. I can't remember exactly who was there. A few of the players got out, and the photographers sort of go up with the cameras, and then all of a sudden, oh, who, we don't even know who these idiots are. So, <laughs> but it was it was something else. I mean, it was if you look at if you guys look, ever want to uh, research it, just the names that was there. I got uh, Brooke Shields was standing there handing out drink tickets next to her, uh, Eva, Eva Longoria is next to her, and I'm thinking. <laughs> 
what's going on? <laughs> Me and Karen were walking around going, what is going on here? So we had a game. That was a Sunday night. We had a game on the Tuesday night. It was a champions. I think it was a, um, I can't remember the tournament now. They, they change it all the time. We're playing DC United at home on the Tuesday. So I'm thinking, God almighty, this is not good. I don't want the players to go home because this is the one in a lifetime. And they're standing there, there's, you know, all these things going on. All the guys are dancing with, you know, Katie Holmes and, and Tom Prude and bouncing around with Will Smith. So I said to him, look, if you do not drink, I'll let you stay to one o'clock. So hopefully they didn't. We end up beating DC, which was good. I think David scored a free kicks to win it. So uh, it all worked out. And um, yeah, weird, weird times. But, you know, obviously in the memory bank, it was, it was amazing. And um, yeah. yeah, I think the league's really took off since then. And I think the big part is David joining. That, uh, no, I, that agree that... I agree with you, Frank. I agree with you, Frank, as well, because as a, as a player, and I remember being at Toronto at the time, and every player was excited to get to LA to, to play that game yes. against Beckham. And even yes. even vice versa, just yes. Beckham coming to Toronto and the place was sold out. And I, know. I remember playing playing you guys uh, at the Galaxy and, and walking out. And the place was rammed. And like you were saying, it was it was this big show that was on. And yeah. The players were just going, what the hell is going on here? It was, just, it was something special. And I think that was, a, that was a big game changer for the league because I think yeah. every ground that you guys went to was packed and sold out. Yes. Well, he got injured and, and then we had to postpone games. Postpone, sorry. Dallas, I, right. I know what they, they said, yeah. look, we, we, we ain't putting the game on against the Galaxy unless Beckham's playing. And if you can guarantee he's going to be fit, we'll move the date. And so I don't know if you remember at the end of the year, we had, I had so many games in a row. It's like we were doing like a Saturday, Tuesday, Friday, Sunday, because David was fit and he could play the away games. We played New York, it was 5-4 the game, 60,000 people there. Yeah. You know, Dallas the same. I just go on and on. Every every team we went to was packed out. And, and and you know, rightly good, but not good for the team because we I didn't have a big enough squad. I didn't have good enough probably players. And I'm not going to say that. Um you know, publicly or well, it's public, but it's like we didn't have a, we didn't have a, we didn't have a great team, and you know, we had average players. David was great. We had a pretty good team, but now you know you can sort of buy your way to the top a little bit more than than just having one player on, on DP. But um, yeah, I mean, talk about crazy times and and um, enjoyable. I mean, so yeah. do you, do you feel it, it? It put a lot of pressure on those players as well that were playing alongside them. Yes, definitely. I mean, going to every stadium packed and yeah. he's in the limelight. Yes. And they've got to and try to reach his standard. Yes. And, his, you know, he's talking a world superstar on and off the field, but really, really good footballer as well as being a superstar, obviously, off the field. But um, I think so. I think it, it's we, we struggle with it a little bit. You know, me even coaching him. You know, how do you coach a guy that's, that's you know, played for England a hundred and something times and captain? And, you know, he was he was pretty receptive. You know, he would, he would back me up with certain, certain things. But, um, you know, when you lose games and don't do so well, it's never easy, right? And anyone's... anyone's um, case so but uh, i gotta hold it hold it to him he, he did really well in the four years i think he was there four or five years that he stayed with the galaxy they won a couple of championships and he was a big part of that with landon uh you know i know landon really well um but they were a good side and, and ended up doing well frank i was thinking about what that change room must have been like you mentioned there having so many guys on the team and you had a few guys making twelve hundred dollars a week or twelve thousand a year thirty thousand dollars a year and for toronto fc lorenzo insigne stood in the in the wall Next to Jaden Nelson, it was just the two of them. And yeah. my buddy said, what's the pay difference between them? I said, well, one guy's on supposedly $16 million. I don't know if the other guy's on 80000 And yeah. how hard that must, must be to manage. 
when you watch uh, what Toronto FC is going through now in this desperation chase to try and make the playoffs, um, do you think a lot about what uh, it must be like in the room and, and how similar it might have been to that first season with you in LA? Yeah, I don't see a lot of the Toronto games, to be honest. I'm, I'm obviously coaching now, so i, I got to watch a lot of our league. Um, so I, I keep my eye on who's table-wise. I sort of have a look seeing. Obviously, Toronto struggled to start with. Now they've got the, you know a couple of new obviously DPs that are do, doing very well for them. In um, it does make a difference, and it just lifts the rest of the guys. And it depends on the on the on the players that are coming in too. If they're a little aloof and don't really speak to the younger players, then you could struggle. But it, it seems like the chemistry is starting to get going with Bradley. You know, kind of getting the players he wants in now, and um, and starting to get going. I think Soria's done really well. He's, I've always liked him as a player. Yeah. I think he's really doing well um, and and thriving with the, having the new guys in. So. Yeah, I'm not up on, on on all the all the players up there, but um, it's a tough league. I tell you what, Jimmy, Jimmy and, and and Craig, you know, being around there, it, it's just anybody can beat anybody on any any given day, and it's uh, you got to be right on your game every time. The USL actually is changing too. The league I'm in now is champ. It's called USL Championship. There's not not an easy game now, and I think that's that's good for the it's good for the league, it's good for the product, it's good for the fans to see quality, and I think. Um, but the MLS is really doing well now, I think. Frankie, you do, you know, your league itself, uh, your team is a, is brand new. You you built that side. You, uh, you have a few games in hand, but you're in the mm. hunt for the playoffs. I think you're four points out at the moment. You actually mm. played Danny Dicchio's side, Sacramento, last week, didn't you? And, and beat and them. We, we beat them 1 0 to. Danny, your face, Beach. Yeah, we were in his Danny's face. Yeah. No, 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 no chance. Not him. Yeah, he would bite, yeah, yeah, bite your nose. Yeah, he would. But he's, he's a good lad. He's doing great there. They're, they're a good side. They're in the Open Cup final. So I know. Which is the USL Open Cup, uh, not USL, excuse me. Open, uh, US Open Cup, which is the kind of the FA Cup of the it's States. Amazing. And uh, they're in the final. They're playing against Orlando, I think, in next week, 7th, 7th of September. So, Really good. He's doing well. Yeah. It's always great to see Danny, and uh, he's intense when the game's on. But afterwards, he's great and gives yeah. give me a big bear hug. So it's nice. And we mm-hmm. we got a good result against them, which is always difficult. They're a good side, but um, yeah. How have you found building clubs, Frankie, as opposed to to coaching? And how yeah. did you enjoy doing that? I've really enjoyed it, to be honest. I mean, the first one was was Phoenix Rising, that was Arizona United. Um, well, I, I'll go back. The earthquakes was kind of down in the dumps when I kind of joined it and, and feel good about what we got to. But just just lately, yeah, I've had um, Phoenix Rising, went to uh, Vegas for a bit, did Fresno for two years, not as coaching, I was a general manager, um, which I didn't really enjoy. Um, but back on coaching now and I t- took this project over. It's the same franchise as Fresno. It's moved over to, to Monterey now. Um, and yeah, starting from scratch is never easy. I think Jimmy's done it with with his team, um, yeah. and and you know you never know what you're going to get. You feel the you don't know how the players are going to react to each other. That's the hardest part for me. Um, but then once you get through the first year, you can kind of sift through it. Okay, there's these are the guys that really want to be here. They're super loyal to the club. They play well. They play well together. These other guys are going to move on. No disrespect to them. And then you get a new batch in, and you hopefully just keep growing that way. But I've really enjoyed it, and I think. Um, we're right there on the doorstep. I, the West is very difficult. Um, there's no easy game in our division in in, yeah. in the West in USL. But yeah, I'm really enjoying it and having a good time. Hopefully, in, because my son just went to college, uh, you Washington State. So me and Karen are gonna, and my wife nice. are gonna move down down there. But right now, we're still in sort of San Jose area, which is an hour and a bit drive. 
so once we get settled and, and we can get a place down there we'll, we'll look at doing that so that'll be more um more in the community as well you know frank you you ended up taking maury donor uh, local yeah. guy here um played in the canadian premier league uh, and did very very well and he's come to you and he's played a, quite a few games do really you think good. yeah he's he's done ever so well mm. do you think we'll we'll expect to see a lot more of these canadian premier league players venturing down into the usl and I'm, mls i'm looking now i mean i think it's a good league good players um the, the only sort of downfall it's not a downfall but it's like they do come as in, international players canadians where yeah. before um you won an international when it had the the montreals and the, and the ottawa's and all those teams that are uh, in the league now um but mm -hmm. maury's done really well um i liked like what i saw i did speak to you about him jimmy and i spoke yeah. to stephen hart who had him the last at the last club um and then you know obviously watched enough to to know what i liked in a, in a right back not i'm an expert at that position but i really liked his uh his demeanor and the way he went about things and he's not let us down at all probably been one of our better players if not our best player consistent wise uh, in the team and good kid wants to learn at 28 years old he doesn't know it all and you know he's a really nice kid and um yeah he's done very well i'm definitely looking at the league i think it's a good league i think there's some good players in it and i think that um you know you can pick some ones out that are gonna help us but the standard is it seems like it's good up there and i don't watch all the games but i just you know i get highlights and stuff like that and yeah. i tend to watch and try to pick up players for sure how many well, international I've, spots are you allowed yeah. frank seven Seven. seven yeah we've got um i just let one go so i'm on five right now so i've got two spots left but probably won't use it this year because you know we're kind of not not over adding players but we're pretty close if i add a player i gotta subtract so i gotta move someone on and then i can add someone in so right now we're kind of um you know full but if something comes up that we're trying to make the playoffs i'm sure the ownership will say look you know let's let's, let's add to that we've only, only got two or three months left want to be trying to push and go for it so yeah. we're not at that stage right now we've got a big home game coming up this weekend it's galaxy two if we can get a mm. win there like you said craig we're four points behind we can catch them up and then hopefully leapfrog yeah. in the next few weeks yeah they're ready to hunt too they are yeah it's a tight division as, as a canadian coach who's made his career in the states mainly obviously he coached canada for, for a while as well i mean mm -hmm. with the cpl there's more opportunity than ever before but how hard is it for a canadian professional coach to, to make his mark in the game um well i think because i played for tampa i played in the mls that you it feels like you're not coming from canada down does that make sense so you know you're already playing in the league you, you kind of know all the players you you, you feel like you know, you don't feel American, but you feel you're not a foreigner. And I think that um, that helped. And I think uh, I got my chance in Tampa just as a second assistant and then kind of worked my way up, went to D.C. for a year. And then I was number, I forget what it was. I think I was number 12 on the list that interviewed for the Quakes job because no training site, terrible team, you know, going nowhere type thing, no crowd. I was just like, I'll take it. <laughs> but. Um, I was number 12, I think, to interview and uh, went well with the guys there. And then obviously I was lucky enough to get the job. So um, whether I was Canadian or, you know, I don't I didn't think it really mattered. But there's some good Canadian coaches. So, you know, we've got to promote them as well. As a former Canadian coach, um, a former Canadian international, do you have sympathy for, for the players currently as they they battle 
for a new CBA, for World Cup fees. You know, obviously a lot of controversy around that right now. No deal signed just yet. Do you understand that? You've seen both sides of it from the yeah. from the executive to the, the player standpoint. Yeah, I do understand it from both sides. I think you've got to have some common ground though and some sort of, you know, I don't know what the word is, but you've got to kind of come to some conclusion because it's going to end in uh, in tears. So yeah. I'm hoping they can kind of figure it all out and, and everyone can at least walk away feeling they got something out of the deal. And um, yeah, not, not pretty stuff. We had the same type of thing, I think, Craig, before Jimmy was there, but with Craig, uh, I forget what year it was, and maybe it was before the 90, 94 run-in World Cup stuff. I can't remember exactly, but we yeah. had, we had you know, we had talks, and but we come to a common ground and it worked out. And I think that we need to do that now. Hmm. We had all our uh, all this stuff done, even though we never qualified. We came right. close, obviously, but yeah. um, we had all that done before we actually yeah. started qualifying. That's where yes. it's a little bit disappointing to find out that after the fact that they yeah. haven't haven't got it done yet. It's a bit surprising, but right. And then and the World Cup's coming, so it's like it's it's a time crunch, right? And it's like you got to get something figured out because what happens if it's not done? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My, my last question quickly, uh, you know, the States failed last World Cup, of course. They're back in it this time around. Uh, MLS is doing really well, as discussed. USL is growing. Where is the game right now in the US? Is it is it the future of North American sport? It is. I think when they bring new franchises into MLS, it just hits the ground running with so much interest, big crowds. Um, you know, you, you, sort of the teams that have been in it a while, you know, Boston, San Jose, their crowds are okay, but the new teams that come in are just, just lighting it up and doing really, really well. Um, so I think the future is bright. Um, it's just getting the, the markets that maybe are down a little bit, but, you know, back up to speed with marketing and all those things that go into it because it's a fantastic league. Um, you know, one thing I will say, I think there's three teams, good teams in CONCACAF, Mexico, US, but Canada is one hell of a good team. Uh, I, I'm expecting really good things at the World Cup. Um, I think that... You know, you, you have a few results where you sort of watch them play now. You know, they did pretty well. But they've been really consistently good. And I think that's 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 great to see. Um, a little different from, from um, you know, me and Craig went through a great run. And we nearly made the – if the rules are the same now, we make the World Cup in 94. Um, you know, it was us in Mexico neck to neck. Neck and neck, I should say. And disappointing not to, not to go through. But, um, yeah, exciting. I'm really, really happy that um, we made the World Cup and – and I, I'm not expecting you know them to do really well. Absolutely. We had some great times though, eh, Frankie? Both with the yeah. at Ipswich and national yeah. team. It was oh yeah, second yeah. to none. Yeah, it feels so long ago, but you can remember it like it's yesterday. It's weird. It's weirdest thing, like, you know. It's uh, yeah, it's 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 good. Every time I go back to Ipswich, I, I say you know say the same thing. I see Milts and you know Walkie, and you can go on and on with these guys, and they're fun, and they never change. And yeah. I'd like to think we don't change either. So that's all good stuff. Yeah, it was a great club to be part of. Sort of stuck out in the middle of the east side country, yeah. and yeah, couldn't get into too much trouble. Although we tried, and I'm pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's no other podcast on the planet outside of podcasts in Ipswich that mentioned Ipswich more than this podcast. Can't go. imagine That's why good. that is. I was going to yeah. say there's got to be a lot of nervous sheep out there in Ipswich. Hey, come on. Not really, not not really a sheep area. Yeah. No, more no. no I don't know That's more. In, that's more in the other uh, Wales. Yeah, the <laughs> uh, The sheep joke. Frank, listen, th- thank you so much for this. Uh, it's always oh, great no time with you. Keep on laying a beating on Dickio, will you? We, we do enjoy I'll, that ourselves here. And I'll, I'll, I'll definitely I'll mention it. Keep too. that in mind. 
Uh, thanks for having me on, guys. Anytime, let me know, and I'll love to love to join you. Brilliant. Thanks, 100%. Frankie. Say hi, Karen. See you guys. Bye now. Thanks, Frank. Bye bye, guys. That is Frank Yallop from Monterey, and uh, once again flying the Canadian flag high. He's uh, one of the most successful coaches that this country's produced, if not probably the most successful coach actually, until Jimmy gets a second chance, and then we'll see him slowly rise to the forefront of that, eh, Jimmy? But, uh, That'd be nice. Yeah, no. Frank no, he's a, a, that's a, a great Frank, Frank, Frank's a, a, a wonderful man and, and definitely one of the best coaches that I've, that I've worked with. And like I said before, he's a player's manager. He knows the game inside out. Um, and, and every player that plays under him would, would run through a brick wall. And it's funny because I, I was about to tell him there as well. Uh, last week, Maury Donor actually sent me a text because I, I keep in touch with a lot of players that I work with. And, uh, He's delighted to be out in Monterey, um, and he couldn't speak any more highly about Frank, and he's just loving every minute working underneath him. Yeah, Frankie's a legend. Yeah, it's what all players say, right? And they, you know, they say it publicly, but uh, but privately, that just the the compliments and how glowing you all speak of, of Frank. It's um, you know, if if there were more uh, more guys in the game like that, I think uh, I think the game might be at a, at a different point mm-hmm. in Canada at this point. You know. Well, I tell you, I mean, as a person, you could tell he, he actually gives a shit mm-hmm. to start with. So the players, the players understand that and they can feel it. And and he was like that with me because I mean, when I went over there, he'd already been there for a few years. He was born in England, spent you know the first ten years there, so he was comfortable. Uh, I was a fish out of water, and you know there was no connection with home. You know, phoning was about a buck a minute, and there was no internet and whatnot. So you're basically cut off. And without his support, it, it, I'm not sure if I would have made it. It's a, you know, it was a, it was a big part of my, uh, my uh, few first few years at Ipswich. And then we spent, you know, pretty much 13 years together at the club, which was just incredibly special. Charles, I think about Frank Gallup's career and the impact that he had, um, you know, obviously in the States and on Canadian players in general. And there's a lot of people like Craig that would share that same story. I think every emerging soccer market, whether it's the national market or a region, has someone like that. Um, everyone's calling Leeds major Leeds soccer, which I think is brilliant. Um, do you think Jesse Marsh is going to be the Yallop for American soccer? Yeah, I wonder. I mean, does, does he need to be successful in, in England, in the biggest league in the world, to, to be to be? I don't that? know how successful he needs to be. Um, to be honest, I mean, if he stays there another season, another two seasons, you're. I, I think the the door is open for players and coaches are already. I mean, isn't uh, isn't Bruce Arena the the Frankie Yallop of U.S. soccer? He's coached the national team. He's won MLS championships. He's stayed in North America. He stayed in North America though. But yeah, no, good point. He would have been like the first. I mean, there's always there's always the next one, right? I think just seeing mm-hmm. seeing the ev- mm-hmm. evolution of that and. Uh, you know, maybe. that's a good point. I think I think Jesse Marsh can be the first of his kind, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, with yeah. respect to Bob Bradley, who did a uh, some success in Europe, um, and then poorly treated at Swansea. I mm-hmm. think if Jesse Marsh is the breakthrough, he could be that guy that opens the door to American coaches and perhaps players as well. If, if Aronson and Tyler Adams start you know, bossing the Premier League, like they have done in the first couple of games of uh, the Premier League season, maybe you know they open the door as well. For me, judging Jesse Marshall's career, when he got to the top, when he got the Leipzig job, that was it. That was, Mm -hmm. wow, like this guy made it. People forget he was the Montreal Impact head coach, right? 
and the path I did until now actually yeah <laughs> having to having to go overseas or wanting to go overseas but being successful to get those opportunities like um, as impressive as it is that there's you know an, an American managing in the in the Premier League at a side that's pulling off results like that against Chelsea to getting to that top job in that Red Bull system to me that was wow this guy is definitely for real and you can see why he was uh, so well liked or so well coveted uh, you could also say argue that the English managers also were in a position where they they need somebody like Eddie Howe to. <laughs> to great take, point. Right. I mean, Can, English yeah. managers do not get top jobs. Yeah. Well, here's another one for you, fellas. David Wagner. Do you remember him? Yeah. He played for the American national team, and coached Huddersfield Town, and I think it was Young Boys as well. Yeah, right. He, right. born in Germany, right? I mean, born in Germany. Germany, yeah. Yeah, Germany. I, he family Bruners. played for the Yanks. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think of him as an American international. No, I definitely thought of him as as uh, an architect. Doesn't he look like an architect? <laughs> yeah. He's a little bashful. He looks like the architect, or he looks like the the bad guy, the top top boss in some like narco gang film. You'd be like, you think you're dealing with the boss, and then David Wagner walks in, and you're like, oh my god, that's the jefe, that's the He's real jefe. Purely hefe. evil, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're right. Yeah. Hey, Jimmy. Obviously, players look at Europe as being the place they need to go, or want to go to, kind of test themselves. Do you think, from a managerial standpoint, in North America, most managers still think that Europe is the place to be, ideally? Uh, I don't. I don't know. Um, that's a that's a really good question, Charms. Um, I think they just want a fucking job yeah. somewhere. Yeah, well, that's part of it. Most. I, think, <laughs> I think you know when you as a as a player because every time you turn on the TV and you you know you're watching the, the Bundesliga, you're watching the Premier League, Serie A, you're watching all these games, and as a player, you're like, I, I want to get there. I want to get there. And then as a manager, when you're when you're looking, it's it's more you you got to think about your family, where you're located. Um, but then also you're kind of at that age as well where, yeah, you want to test yourself, but you want the lifestyle as well. You want to have a nice mm-hmm. life. You want to live in a nice city. You know, just because a job comes up at, at Port Vale, you, you don't want to jump ship and go, I'm going to go live there and you're going to be miserable. <laughs> Not, you know what I mean? But like, I think for, for a lot of managers a little bit, little bit older, they I think they would rather have that opportunity to, to coach in the States or North America and just have that nice lifestyle as well, right? But and less pressure too, right? Me. Way less pressure. And you, you don't have the, the, the pressure that you're, you're going to get if you do go to England. You know, you're, you're under the microscope 24-7. You're on the news. It's in the papers. It's social media nonstop. And they get paid well. They get paid well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But well, definitely as players, yeah, you want to jump. You want to get to Europe as quick as possible. How did Port Vale mm-hmm. take it when you turned down the job though, Jimmy? Uh, you know, they, they took it well. <laughs> that pitch was on a slope Fuck it, it was it was like that remember that oh god i played there once and there was gale force wind going wind going right downhill the snow and the hail and fuck yeah absolute nightmare <laughs> to this day i wake up and have nightmares of that and it was the biggest pitch ever. oh and the it ground was, was just massive massive just to get to the dressing room Remember okay, that? let's oh. let's clip this. I want to clip this, and we'll tag Port Vale, and we'll find some of their supporters groups, and we'll become the most hated podcast in Port Vale. That'll be our claim to fame. Be That's amazing. all right, because the Stoke fans will love us. <laughs> there you go. By the way, did you see um, Ukraine? The football kicked off today, I think it did, or at least this week. All games are being played in Kiev. 
Mm. There's bomb shelters at every stadium. There'd be bomb warnings. Um, it, it's incredible that they said, listen, we have to at some point get back to normal. And this is as normal as we can get to at this point. But my God, the courage of those those clubs, those players, those coaching staff and everyone behind them. Jesus, football returns to, to Ukraine, albeit just in Kiev this week. That is a story right there. Yeah, wow. it is. Uh, Benfica's playing Dynamo Kiev in the Champions League qualifications. Their second leg is, is uh, just after we record this, actually. And I was kind of thinking the same thing. And that Usyk-Joshua fight on Saturday, uh, Usyk had worked into the contract that he had the rights for Ukraine, the television rights for Ukraine, and that they would be free, obviously. And I thought, they're in a war. Like, how, how many people would even have access to watch the fight? But in reality, he knew that many people would find it. And they're also trying to get back to some type of normalcy or at least some type of living amongst the war, chaos, and hell that they're living in. So, yeah, it's uh, I'm with you. I totally applaud all the players and everyone involved in that from players, coaches, the staff, security, everyone who's, who's looking to put that on to give people some type of normalcy in hell there. Um, yeah. It's good to see. No, it's I, good to see. I mean, it's like what they say, guys. I think, you know, football unites and it's uh... – I think it'd be be great for that country as well for what they've gone through and, and at least to have the football match on and people getting together and, and at least hopefully trying to enjoy as much of it as they can. Yeah, just 90 minutes, forgetting about the reality maybe, if that's a, even possible, I don't know, but a distraction yeah. at the very least. I, I wonder if the uh, Yusuf fight was uh, was streamed uh, terrestrial TV, I wonder, over the air. Probably that was, was, the, that, was the, that was the plan, yeah. It was, yeah, yeah. I tell you what, well, there wouldn't, well, be many, wouldn't be many men in this world would be able to have taken him on with what he's got behind him and that whole emotion of the country. And holy Christ, he's an absolutely machine. Absolute machine. I'll tell you what, that ninth round when he was being wow. crushed by AJ and then to respond in the 10th way he yeah. did, I mean, that it takes was... more than just ability oh. and strength. Right? There, there's something deep within him <laughs> that allows him to come back and, and respond that way, huh? It, it was yeah. crazy. The, the flurry, it was like, how did you do this without uh, without some type of narcotic assistance, right? He, re- he reminded me of Al Pacino in, in, uh, in Scarface <laughs> at the end of, after putting his head in the giant mountain. The big pile of adrenaline. That's when he came out with a, just this flurry. AJ dominated him in that ninth round. In the, in the tenth round, it was, it was reverse. It was wild. Big fan of music. B, didn't you didn't you recently just see that for the first time, like That's last right. month? That's why it's fresh in the memory. Yeah, yeah. See, it's a good thing you did, or yeah. nothing to compare. <laughs> That's yeah. good. Stick. Next, hey, next, watch uh, Silence of the Lambs, so you know what we're talking about. <laughs> you haven't watched that either. <laughs> I haven't Tell me you watched that. that. <laughs> you haven't wa- you haven't watched that really? No, I'm not a big like horror film guy. It's, it's not, not really. really... It's, it's suspense and drama and suspense. It's yeah. thriller. Yeah. thriller. Yeah. It's a thriller. Okay. Although yeah. it's kind of he's he's got a, he's wearing Pretty a woman's horrible. he's wearing a suit made out of woman's skin, so I guess it's kind of horrorish. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm not I'm not into horror movies either, but it's it's different than what you would expect. Like it's hey, listen, Halloween literally traumatized me as a kid. It traumatized me to the point that I can't watch it today. I won't watch it. That music yeah. gives me freaking the heebie-jeebies. Don't like same it. same for me. I was a child of the nineties that grew up in front of the TV, and the trailers that they put on for these horror films, like there should be a time limit. I don't know if you guys notice <laughs> this as parents with children. Like if you're if you're watching TV at four, the trailer for Candyman or It should not come on at four. Doesn't matter what channel it's on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was after the eighth grade threshold. 
Halloween's not a big deal in England, and uh, my landlady at the, the Dew Drop Inn. Is there a horror movie happening right now? Was that Help me, get the, me, let me out of my the let me out of the closet, Craig? Let me out of the <laughs> exactly. What was that? <laughs> it's it's Jimmy Craig. It's Jimmy's grandkids. <laughs> <laughs> I told him. I told my son Mick, get back in the closet. So he's going back in. Yeah, and apply the lotion. Will you just apply the yeah. lotion for Christ's sakes? Jesus. So okay. what was I talking so about? Do drop uh, in. Halloween was Halloween. Oh yeah. Halloween. So I'm sitting there watching four channels one <laughs> nothing on bbc two nothing on bbc three bbc four Fuck. two was the worst oh mrs bond used to watch coronation street i never watched it though i never like i sat there but i never watched it, it was just so freaking de- depressing so anyway all of a sudden i hear this trick or treat i'm like whoa something i recognize so mrs bond goes barrel bond she says i'll get it i'll sort it out and I'm like, oh, well, I'm so so I'm go out there and I'm like, oh, you got candy? You got you got something to give him? You got like whatever. She's straight to the door. She opens it up and goes, piss off, you little beggars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's nice. That's nice. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? She's like, oh, American bullshit. Children running off, scurrying off in tears. Yeah. Don't go to that house. The dew drop in. She's yeah. a beast. She was scary too. She had she she had teeth, but she never was into wearing them. So, <laughs> yo, oh, she just leave them around the house. Chompers all over the place. I didn't know for like a year and a half that she even had them. Did she just have one set? She got one set, and when she puts them in, it was like what the fuck? <laughs> like teeth, like sheer guard. <laughs> Unbelie- unbelievable, Jimmy. No, no, she would, she would boil she the hell out of the food, her, right? She'd, she'd boil the hell oh, out of the food. She, she wouldn't need to chew it. She'd just like gum it. She would boil canned Chicken. carrots for an hour and a half. <laughs> oh. The worst was when it boiled the chicken. You, it would, you oh. could throw it and it would bounce four times before it hit your plate. Oh, it, it was so rubbery. Oh. It's funny, right? You think they'd conquered the world, all of these great things that they discovered, and yet they never actually improved their own cuisine. I no. have to say, I, I grew up But they brought Indian food. food, so that changed everything. Indian food is yeah. Yeah. what people eat. British style. Like, oh, my Indian God. Food. It's got flavor. <laughs> liver and onions is pretty damn good. Haven't had that for a few years. You had liver and onions before? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's good. Love the yeah. organ meat. Yeah, they didn't Fantastic. waste anything over there. No. <laughs> nope. Back and in the day. At some point, it had blood pumping through it. We're going to eat it. Oh, even, yeah, and even the blood. Blood pudding. Blood, blood pudding. pudding. Blood pudding, yeah. Mm-hmm. They don't blood mind pudding. a spot either. They don't mind yeah. a potato. I had haggis when I went to Scotland a few years ago, and uh, I was quite impressed. It, it was it was good. Yeah, haggis, like was, it. It, was it real haggis, like uh, the, the stomach of the sheep? Well, what would be fake haggis? Like, meat? Is it, is it like a vegan haggis? Like, what? Oh, no, you can buy fake haggis that isn't actual sheep stomachs. Yeah, they use uh, they use cheesecloth as the bag instead of uh, the sheep's stomach. Oh, I believe this was yeah. sheep's stomach, but I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to this vegan version. Uh, but I did, tripe. I did the real stuff. I'm not oh, a fan of tripe. tripe, is tripe. Cow stomach. Yeah, I don't like tripe. Ones too. Tongue. That's a big dim sum treat, right? Tripe. I never order that. 
Is it? Never order that. We're also contrived. All right, listen. Well, um, anything else we get to apart from uh, pumping the fact that you can get all your Premier League games and Fubo TV this season? And we will uh, look at some of those games on the next podcast. Jimmy, can we do a, a, a microphone etiquette tutorial one on one? Like that mic's not even working. You might have taken off. Yeah, your headset's not working. Yeah, but, but like you look cool. Yeah, do you have to open your Altoids uh, on top of your laptop all the time? Like, what the hell is that? <laughs> what yeah. happened there? You get a bunch of candies bouncing off, Smarties bouncing off your. Yeah, it's like, are you stuff? are you recreating the sounds of uh, you know for some for some audio entertainment audience? You know what, what it did you hear? Me Tell me what you heard there. Yeah, I, I heard. Like a... yeah, yeah, like you just scurried your chewing gum across the microphone, which is on the laptop. Yeah. So you're telling me this thing's not even working? Correct. Mm-hmm. So then why do I keep putting it on? Because you're hearing this, obviously. So I'm like, we love I, I, we love you looking like a twat. You have like I'm worst... about to fly a plane. Yeah. Yeah. And it's or a call center. Working. Yeah. With the worst sounding audio of the lot of us. Thank God for JC, the voice vendor, audio master. Air traffic can't hear you. <laughs> it looks like you're trying to sell me duck cleaning from Delhi. Yeah. Yeah, boy. All right, we're out of time. Um, our thanks to Frank Yellow, always a great guest. Love his stories. Love those early LA Galaxy stories as well, and just how uh, that actually worked in, in the room of Beckham. Fantastic. Uh, always a pleasure. Um, we're back on Wednesday evening slash Thursday morning. Give us your thoughts, your questions. Follow us. Subscribe to us. And please, please, dear God, keep listening to us and buy newspapers. Cheers for listening. Follow us on Twitter at footy underscore prime and on Instagram at footy prime IG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.